Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Open Your Hymnal. My name is Matt Reichert. And I am Zach Stahowski. And we are glad to have you with us for this, our very first episode of 2019. So Happy New Year, everyone, and Happy New Year, Zach. And Happy New Year to you, Matt. Zach, I think it's fair to say that we've had a very busy couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, in addition to... Uh, our work as parish musicians, uh, you know, just uh, keeping up with podcast needs and our social media community as well. And for our listeners who maybe didn't catch our series of releases during Advent, um, we put out four episodes during that season. And and I have to say, some of those episodes were were some of my favorite that we've done. The Songs of Mary episode comes to mind. Um, the Lessons and Carols episode. It was it was just really fun to do and to put together. The Lessons and Carols is one of my favorite things that we've done. So I hope if our listeners haven't had a chance to check that out, um, and I will, I have to compliment Matt here. Uh, the editing and the music uh, that he wove throughout this episode is really quite stunning. So be sure to check that out. Well, thanks. And and I will say it's it's always a little easier when you get to work with Christmas music. <laughs> that, that makes it a little easier. And, and I will say, I will take a moment to be a proud father for a minute and say, if you do not... Nothing else, dear Open Your Hymnal listeners, listen to the third reading, which was read by my daughter, Audrey. Um, she was super nervous, but it just, I, I cry every time I listen to it. <laughs> it's true. It's perhaps the cutest thing that Open Your Hymnal has ever done. <laughs> and and I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that in addition to a series of podcast episodes, there were a few videos that made it into our social media feed. Yeah, who knew, you know, when we started this podcast, we thought, yeah, people might be interested in hearing from you know these great composers of our time but the things that have gotten the most traction in social media have been uh, basically Matt and I making a fool out of ourselves <laughs> so if you get a chance head over to our Facebook page uh, give us a like uh, check out some of these fun videos um, and uh, you know join the community it's a it's a it's a fun place and if nothing else you will see, confirmation of why we do an audio podcast instead of a video <laughs> instead of a video series we've got we've got faces for podcasts <laughs> personalities too i think i would think so yeah so so all of that being said um I I really looking forward to today's episode because not only is this one of my favorite songs, you know, growing up in the church and Catholic elementary school and going through high school, this is this is just a real favorite of mine. But also we were able to welcome back Dan Schutte for the second time to the podcast. And I just always really enjoy our conversations with Dan. Definitely. And anytime we get to talk to a composer again, it's always so interesting to see the different avenues that the conversation will go down um, and just getting to talk about, you know, a different song and uh, all that that has to offer. Absolutely. And and of course, not only in those second second conversations do we learn these, these new things, like you mentioned, but also, you know, there's an accumulation of what we learn about the composer and about their, their development and their history. So um, we interviewed Dan about Here I Am, Lloyd, and I encourage any of our listeners who haven't listened to that episode to go back and to listen to that conversation as well. And for this conversation, please open your hymnal to City of God. Awake from your slumber 
Arise from your sleep. A new day is dawning. Hi, my name is Dan Schutte. I've been a composer in this Roman Catholic tradition for it make it's I always hesitate. It's almost 50 years now, which seems impossible. Um, I'm an artist in residence at the University of San Francisco. I spend much of my time these days uh, visiting parishes around the country, doing workshops for musicians. Let us build a city of God. May our tears be turned into dancing for the Lord, our light and our love has turned the night into day. It wasn't a song that I wrote just because one day I had this inspiration. It was actually a re- requested song. Um, so this is in, I believe, it would have been about 1979 when I was studying theology in Berkeley, California, getting ready for ordination. And at that time, there was a group of Jesuits who were working in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco, which is the the area of the city that is most depressed and where the the um, the homeless and so forth uh, congregate out in the streets. There's there's a um, uh, organization, a shelter, and a soup kitchen there called Saint Anthony's, and so this group of maybe six, seven Jesuits were doing ministry there. And one of the the leaders of that group, or at least spokesmen of that group, came to me one day and said, we're planning to do this evening event in uh, Union Square in San Francisco. So Union Square is, it's sort of on the edge of the Tenderloin District, but it is in the in the center of the financial and shopping district in the city. It's it's Union Square is surrounded by uh, Macy's and St. Francis Hotel and all these places. And at Christmas time, people would be coming out of these places, you know, and walking through Union Square. So they were trying to plan this event which I think they called it Take Back the Night, but I, I'm not totally sure anymore. And so they, they came and said, Dan, would you be willing to write a song that we could do at this event? It was scheduled to be like at 5.30 in the afternoon. It was Christmas time, you know, so there's shoppers and business folks and people in and out of the hotel. They wanted a song to sort of attract people to walk into Union Square and get to see what, what's going on here. What is this about? And it was all about supporting St. Anthony's Foundation and the work that they do in the Tenderloin. So, okay, I do what I can. I don't remember exactly where the, um, the idea of City of God, but just my imagining that venue in the middle of this grand city of San Francisco at Christmas time was a piece of it. And I knew that it was going to be dark by that point. So my image was of spotlights and Christmas trees and all these venues, the, the, the store neon lights and all of that. So light was also a big piece. The people in darkness have seen a great light. 
has conquered the night. And I ha- happened upon that piece of scripture that talks about building the city of God. And so that sort of became the fo- focus of the piece. Um, the, the actual original title of the piece was Lord of Light, which became the title of our subsequent St. Louis Jesuit album, and then I changed the song title to be City of God. So we, we did the song at the event, and we're there with all these people, and they, they had rented these big, uh, you know, the big searchlights and spotlights. So there was one of those on each corner of Union Square, and it was a wonderful, wonderful event. Um, but that was the debut of City of God, and I got my uh, my peer Jesuits we, who were in training in theology to come and sing with me. So there the probably a dozen of us singing the piece for the first time in the middle of Union Square. God is light. In Him there is no darkness. The reason I included that God is light, that verse 3, which is completely different than, than all the rest, was I felt as I was, was composing the piece and singing it to myself, I felt like there needed to be some significant change in the pattern. The, the verses, verse 1, 2, are, they, there are sort of two parts to them. But each part is, is almost an exact repetition of the other. So there's already a lot of repetition in the piece. And then you come and you sing the refrain. And the re- refrain has repetition in the melodic material that's there. And so I was, at the end of two verses and two refrains, I was feeling there needs to be something significantly different that happens here in order to keep this piece exciting and and so that people experience, oh, here we go again. Um, that's why I chose to do that, that, that verse. Um, it also, that verse also highlights the the, the light part of the piece um, um, because it speaks of God as being the light. When we talked to Dan about his approach to writing, he talked about how it was a great benefit to him that, you know, working in the way that he was, uh, writing music that was getting immediately sung, kind of like with his lab choir that would kind of test these songs, um, you get to learn a lot that way. And I think anyone who's writing liturgical music... uh, it, you have to go through that testing process of seeing how well it prays with the assembly, how well people can sing it. I think, you know, going back to Marty Haugen's analogy, if you're going to build chairs, you have to see if people can sit in them. So uh, it was just great to hear Dan talk about how that uh, shaped his approach to writing. I have no clear memory, but I suspect that we used it at our community liturgies um, during those months of Lent and spring before the ordination. Ordinations always happen in May or June. In Berkeley, California, 
the Jesuits are part of a consortium of theology schools. At the time I was going to school there, there were actually nine schools. Um, some of them affiliated with other religious orders, Franciscan, Dominicans, and so forth. But there were non-Catholic schools as part of the consortium, too. The Jesuits don't have their own church or chapel, at least they didn't at that time. And so we used the uh, chapel um, that belonged to the Pacific School of Religion up the hill every Sunday to sponsor a liturgy. And I and my friends and colleagues and so forth, Rock O'Connor would have been one of the people, one of the other St. Louis Jesuits, were part of doing the musical piece of that. So I am sure that in those months after Advent, before the ordinations, we used the piece. We used them as our, our uh, control group, our test group to try out new things. Because those, those were years that, that both Rock and I were uh, fairly prolific in the music we were doing, and it was always a great advantage for us to be able to try pieces with the community at Mass before actually getting them published. You iron out all the rough spots. You, you hear firsthand the places in the music where, that are the road bumps that people will stumble over, and you realize, I need to fix that, because if, if these people are having trouble with it, they were taught by the author of the song, if they're still having trouble with it, there's something inherently wrong that people are going to experience once the piece is out in published form. Um, it was having that kind of a test group for our music was great, great. These, are this, these were the same years that I wrote Here I Am, Lord, and I'm sure that we used Here I Am, Lord in that way, too. Uh, the, the published version of Here I Am, Lord is not the original version. You know, there were things that I realized over a few months had to be fixed. I don't know about any of you listening, but when we were speaking with Dan during our interview, I was really surprised to find out that this was an Advent song, because I, I know at least in my parish, we use this song, you know, during ordinary time throughout throughout the liturgical year. Um, and one of the things that Dan spoke about, given that this piece was written for a particular season, was his approach to his music, writing something for a particular time, but also writing it in such a way that makes it as universal as possible. One of the things that happens, however, whenever I write a piece of music, in the back of my mind is at least, how else might this be used down the road? Um, it's, to me, it seems foolish to write a piece of music that is only able to be used one time, or even for one feast day of the church. Um, so many times in my compositional mode, I'm thinking about how can I make this more universal? How can I craft something that would be appropriate for a number of different situations? And of course, City of God has become, it's become one of those pieces that's, that's uh, well-known and planted deep in the memory of many parishes. The interesting thing about <laughs> that I run to every once in a while is so I wrote the piece in the fall. So this is, it was performed first during Advent season, right before Christmas. There were many of my Jesuit brothers who were going to be ordained that following spring, and many of them had become aware of the piece. 
and used it for their ordination ceremony or for their first masses. I, every once in a while, I get a story back uh, from one of from one of them, but through a parishioner or a mutual friend or so forth, who said, "Oh, oh, I hear you wrote City of God for so and so's ordination," and I have to I kind of smile. I says, "Well, yes, yeah, sort of, but n- not not directly." It's just that so many of, of those men who were ordained that following spring decided to use it as part of their first mass or ordination ceremony. In those beginning years, I was primarily a guitarist. I had briefly studied piano when I was a very young boy, but we didn't have a piano in our home. So it was very difficult to to keep that up. I had always, as as it were, kept my fingers on playing keyboard, but it was all just my own learning on my own, or maybe somebody teaching me or showing me something that I could do on piano. Um, in those early years of composition, though, guitar was my prime instrument. And so it was the the instrument I felt most comfortable with in writing new pieces. So it was really fun to get into talking about guitar technique and, you know, playing guitar with Dan. And Matt, I understand that you have started to learn to play the guitar. It's true. Um, my fingers have never hurt so much in my life. <laughs> I have. I am, uh, I am quickly developing, you know, the necessary calluses on the ends of my fingers on my left hand. And uh, so far, so good. So far, so excellent, good. Excellent. Excellent. You know, when, I, when you were telling me that, and I was thinking about when I first started to learn to play guitar, my mom played guitar. She led um, the guitar folk group in, in her parish uh, growing up. And so uh, we had these songbooks, Earthen Vessels, Lord is My Light. So, I mean, and, and, and those songbooks would have the chord diagrams, so like the pictures to learn how to form the chords. So I remember just as a young kid learning how to play the guitar with the Earthen Vessels songbook and, of course, with um, the John Denver anthology. One of the things... My my colleagues, the St. Louis Jesuits, one of the things we were always very um, conscious of and intent in fostering was helping regular parish musicians, some of whom who didn't have much training or much skill, helping them to be able to play these songs the way we did. In, in the, the songbooks, that went with those early collections, so the, the, the Lord of Light collection, where City of God first appeared. Um, we always included, first of all, we had composer notes where we would tell people about the song, give performance suggestions. But we always had chord diagrams. We had, uh, if there was a strumming or picking pattern that was sort of inherent to the piece that would help it sound like we intended it to be a sound. Those were in those early books. It's interesting that that publishers these days, um, some of it probably for lack of space or um, saving some money, don't go to that extent anymore. Those those that early book totally had the instruction that you drop D tune and it. And the way I play CD of God is with these chords that 
that walk up the neck of the guitar, and it shows the fingerings for those. But if a guitarist only sees the sheet music with the chord over, with the chords written above, they might see an indication that says capo two, but it may be totally beyond what that indicates to know that you drop D tune, and that's how you keep that that D bass going. When you think about this, and and you know, this is something that, at least as far as I've seen, is not typically done anymore. You know, the inclusion of all these chord charts and maybe notes about strumming patterns and things, and and it's too bad because you know, for you know, likely generations of guitar players, especially younger people growing up at the time that the Jesuits were really you know heavily publishing these initial collections, um, this is how people were able to learn guitar. You know, without the benefit of formal lessons or training, they had these printed resources to really help them out. I think in addition to just teaching the basics of guitar, um, the music of the St. Louis Jesuits in particular also advanced uh, guitar techniques. So you see different approaches to capoing. Um, Dan talks about in City of Gad, um, the addition of drop D tuning, um, you know, getting the guitars to do different things. So often in these folk groups back then, uh, you see, you know, there are six guitarists in the group and, you know, they're all doing the same kind of things. But the, the recording of the St. Louis Jesuit showed us that, you know, we can vary it and we can change timbre and texture and all of that. And, you know, that is what maybe one of the chief influences of the St. Louis Jesuits as we look at the development of liturgical music. And in addition to that, another contribution that they made was to really lay the groundwork and pave the way for the development of a technique for playing for liturgy. So it's one thing to learn how to play these chords, and it's another thing to learn the technique like you're talking about, but also to help guitarists or all instrumentalists, any instrumentalist, learn how to play specifically for that moment in the Mass is so important. It's it's like what you were saying before, Zach, about how having that lab choir is helpful for developing a song because it really can sit in the voice of the congregation. Well, you know, these resources really helped develop instrumentalists to really sit in that pocket of serving the liturgy also. And you are not, you're not alone with that. Um, I get people all the time at conventions like this one, I get people all the time coming up to me and saying, Dan, I learned to play guitar through you and your St. Louis Jesuit buddies because of the care you took in giving us those instructions and showing us those chord diagrams and helping us with picking. They tell me, I learned to finger pick because you guys put those patterns in your songbooks in those days. We are sons of the morning. One of the things that's been interesting for me personally as we've had all of these conversations with composers is to find out how some of these common songs that are so well-known and well-loved have some detractors or carry with them some controversy. And City of God is one of those songs. When we did our episode on All Are Welcome, I kind of knew about the controversy surrounding that song. But I actually didn't know of any uh, particular controversies surrounding this one. There's a bit of controversy in in some communities about 
city of God and the appropriateness of singing the, that text. Um, part of the text is right out of scripture. The part that people question, and I'll, and I'll tell you quite honestly, there are parishes and even some dioceses where people are discouraged from singing the piece. There are some pastors and bishops who say, this is not an appropriate song for us to sing. And the, the reasoning for that was, or is, that we are not the ones who build the city of God. They deem the theology of the peace to be incorrect. We are not the ones who build the city of God. It's God and Christ our Savior who builds the city of God, which is total, they're totally and absolutely right. But they seem to be judging the peace just from that one phrase at the beginning of the f refrain, which is really, it's an invitation it's not, it doesn't say we will build the city of God or we can build the city of God. It says, let, it's an invitation, let us build the city of God. And then if you go on with the rest of the text of the refrain, it's obvious that, that it's Jesus the risen Lord who, as our companion and our Lord and Savior, is the one who builds the city of God. But we we are given quite clearly in the scripture the invitation to join him in that task. Let us build the city of God. May our tears be turned into dancing for the Lord our As Dan was talking about the controversy and explaining it, I, I can certainly see how there might be some issue taken with the way that that line is worded. Um, but I do have to say, and I'm, I'm speaking just for myself here, I do think that that criticism is, is a little short-sighted in the sense that, you know, I think there's a much fuller, deeper meaning here that, that really is powerful. You know, I, I'm reminded of you know, that, that great prayer from St. Teresa of Avila, the, you know, Christ has no hands now but ours. And when I hear a line like, let us build the city of God, I don't get the sense that it's me doing it, but I, I guess I've always viewed it as the through me doing that action. Sure. Or like, yeah, I don't think it's exclusive language saying me alone or even us alone. Right. I think... I don't know, for me, I think you have to really reach for it to kind of imprint some sense of controversy or, God forbid, blasphemy on that text. Because um, I think like you, Matt, I, I what immediately came to my mind was First uh, John, that faith is dead without action. And of course, it's a call for us to act out our faith and in so doing, building the kingdom of God. No, I think you're exactly right. And and as we think about those works, those actions that, you know, work towards that justice, that help build that kingdom of God, you know, any of those those actions or those words that need to be spoken, of course they're not ours. So I, I don't want to make it sound like in my challenge of the criticism, like I'm saying, you know, any action I decide to take, of course, is going to be that of God, because we just know that that's not true. But I do think that a 
such a a specific literal interpretation of these words um, really does a disservice because because again there is such a, a depth here of what this song is is calling us to realize that we are the actors that we have agency in the world and I think that's a really important reminder the fascinating thing that I discovered once um, some years ago so Pope John Paul II at the beginning of the new millennium gave a speech that he called the city of God. And his whole point was that we all have the responsibility to join Jesus Christ in building this new city, in building the city of God, in, in bringing the kingdom of God to birth on this earth. But there are some people, you know, who, who have a narrower vision of what the piece is about, and it's, it's the way it is. And now, here is a recording of City of God in its entirety. Awake from your slumber, arise from your sleep, a new day is dawning for all those who The people in darkness have seen a great light. The Lord of our longing has conquered the night. Let us build a city of sons of the morning, we are daughters of day, the one who has loved us has brightened our way. Let us build the city of God, may our tears
We'll be back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for more psalm options? Tired of your current mass setting? Wish you had access to new music but can't afford enough copies? Introducing Simply Liturgical Music, an innovative new online resource geared towards supplementing your current music repertoire. Simply Liturgical Music is a cost-effective collection of original psalms, hymns, and mass settings created by a network of composers who work in the trenches just like you. This entire resource is accessible for one annual fee. Just download, print, or share digitally and sing. Make as many copies as you need with no copyright guilt. See why parishes, schools, and college campuses all over the country have turned to Simply Liturgical Music to supplement their hymnal and enhance their worship experience without breaking their budgets. For more information, please visit slmusic.org. That's slmusic.org. Simply liturgical music. Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for the Open Your Hymnal playlist. This is the part of our show where Zach and I get to choose extra music to play for you, drawn from some topic featured in today's episode. Zach, what kind of musical surprises do you have in store for us today? Well, I have to say one of my favorite parts of this conversation was talking to Dan about the guitar playing. And so what I wanted to do was pick a song that kind of shows where guitar playing has progressed to since the recordings of the Jesuits. And so I picked a song uh, by David Haas called I Will Give You Rest. Uh, and it really features uh, the magnificent guitar stylings of Stephen Petronak and Bobby Fischer. My yoke upon you, all who labor long. I am always with you. I am always with you. Learn my way of living, simple and forgiving, and I will give you rest. And I. shall grow in strength I am always with you I am always with you since my love designed you seek and I will find you and I will give you rest and I I am always present, center in love. 
One of the topics that we spoke with Dan about in this episode, of course, was the text to City of God, and especially that line, let us build, that sort of active action line um, in the text of the piece. And so I decided to pick another text that has that action, active um, component to it. This is a text from Sister Dolores Duffner, set to the hymn tune Nettleton. This is Sing a New Church.
You know, Zach, Sister Dolores is one of my favorite text writers and just one of my favorite people. And I really hope that we'll be able to have her on an episode coming up sometime soon. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. And I think, you know, in listening to that song, it got me to thinking about text and how Dan talked about City of God being kind of like an anthem for social justice. And I was starting to think about uh, texts now, more contemporary settings, that are also confronting the same issues. I think the difference now is that while Dan was setting primarily through scripture, now we are naming a lot of the issues, uh, a lot of the justice issues facing us right now. And I think there's probably no more prophetic voice um, doing this right now than that of Lori True. And so I wanted to share with you her song, What Have We Done for the Poor Ones? Longing for 
What have we done for the stranger, outsider, the ones who are aching for welcome, acceptance, God's chosen people, blessed and holy? What have we done for the stranger here in our midst?
For my next pick, I want to go back to the original recording that City of God was featured in. So that was the Lord of Light recording um, from the St. Louis Jesuits. This is a song from another member of that group, Tim Mannion. Um, This is a song called This Alone.
I think one of my favorite things about this playlist feature is getting to explore some of the deeper tracks of some of these iconic albums. So, of course, you mentioned um, The Lord is My Light, where we found City of God, and getting to listen to another one of these tracks is just a a great a great feature of this. Absolutely. I mean, I, I look at a collection like The Lord of Light, or I look at, you know, a St. Louis Jesuit collection like Earthen Vessels, and it's great to flip through them and see some of those hidden gems. But but you also have to look at those recordings and and realize that there's like half of the recording are songs that we're still singing today. They're just amazing greatest hits of the church. It's really pretty impressive. I know. And and for this next pick, it's really not a deep track at all. It's it's really one of my favorites. Matt, I know it's one of your favorites. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell our listeners why it is one of your favorites? Well, it's one of my favorites, of course, because as our longtime listeners will know, I am a huge Descant fan. And this is another <laughs> one of the top Descants of Catholic contemporary liturgical music. Probably anyone who's listening and who knows has already guessed what the song is. But coming up next is Bless Be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. The God of mercy. The God who saves. I shall not fear the dark of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. He will release me from the nets of sinful men. He will protect me from their wicked hands. Beneath the shadow of his wings I will rejoice To find a dwelling place secure Blessed be the Lord Blessed be the Lord The God of mercy The God who saves I shall not fear The dark of night shrink before the terrors of the night, nor stand alone before the light of day. No harm shall come to me, no arrow strike me down, no evil settle in my soul. Blessed be the battle with the foe. 
Thank you for listening to Open Your Hymnal, and special thanks to Dan Schutte for speaking with us. City of God is published by OCP. The recording you heard was released by OCP on the album Lord of Light. For more information about this song, the other songs you heard, links to purchase this music, and additional resources can be found at our website, openyourhymnal.com. Production assistance and support for this episode was provided by OCP. Be sure to follow Open Your Hymnal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes and Google Play. For Open Your Hymnal, I'm Zach Stahowski. And I'm Matt Reichert. Thanks for listening. Mm